you know, how would how would the average restaurateur or, or retailer go about finding and making sure that the location they picked really was the right location for them? Because you know, since the 1800s, we've heard the phrase "location, location, location," right? So. Mm-hmm. And we realized that there really wasn't anything like that. While there was Zillow for residential real estate, and you can get things like your your Z estimate of what a house is worth and the Z rent, right, and all that, there really wasn't that level of, of details of the mm. walkability score, all that for um, for for brick and mortar retail. And I said, okay, what if we created this idea of a Zillow for commercial real estate? Welcome to the Two X E Commerce Podcast Show where we interview founders of fast-growing seven- and eight-figure e-commerce businesses and e-commerce experts. They'll tell their stories, share how they 2 x their businesses, and inspire you to take action in your own online retail business today. And now, here he is, the man in the mix, Kunle Campbell. As an online retailer or supplier, you're well aware that accurate product content drives more sales. However, as your store starts to scale, the harsh reality is that maintaining product description content becomes more and more of a challenge to e-commerce teams. This is a problem Salsify solves. Salsify is a SaaS-based product content management platform built specifically for online retailers and brand owners. I recently took Salsify on a test drive, and here are the glaring advantages e-tailer stands again. First, your entire product catalog can be accessed by any department in a centralized hub. Then there's a workflow setup that ensures no fields go amiss when product data is published to multiple channels such as Amazon, your Google Merchants account, or just directly to your e-commerce store. Salsify tells you when it spots missing critical data across your product catalog. It's a flexible and robust product management platform. I recommend if your store and brand products catalog changes often and if you publish to numerous channels. As a 2x e-commerce listener, you can get to trial Salsify for free at salsify.com forward slash 2x. That is S-A-L-S-I-F-Y dot com forward slash 2x. I'll leave more details and a link on this episode's show notes. Hello, guys. Welcome to today's episode. Today, I have with me Brian Eisenberg. He's the founder and CMO of Ideal Sports. It's a commercial real estate marketplace that matches buyers or renters and landlords by applying machine learning, predictive algorithms, and big data. So it's it's kind of like finding locations for retail space, you know, 2.0 in, in this day and age with big data. He's a recognized authority and pioneer of in e-commerce, user experience, and you know, conversion rate optimization. Brian has worked for with companies such as HP and Intel, and he is in the advisory board of so many successful startups. Um, I'll just start with a few. There's Monetate, there's one spot, there's user testing, there's Boost, there's Nomi. I mean your <laughs> His LinkedIn profile is is packed up with um you know with with, with a list of companies. Commerce Sciences actually, um, I think they've been here um, on on the show on on a webinar. It's just been packed full with 
loads of you know startups that trust his advice. He's also a two-time best-selling author, New York Times and Wall Street Journal for books, Call to Action and Waiting for Your Cat to Bark. Um, he is a global respected digital marketing expert, and I will like to welcome Brian to show. Welcome to show, Brian. Thank you so much. Excited to be here. Brilliant. Good stuff. Could you take a minute or two, just introduce yourself to the audience, please? Oh, after after all you've, you've told them about me, um, you know, basically, uh, I started looking at the digital space as a business in 1995. I was uh, working um, uh, as a consultant for somebody who had an e-commerce site, and mm-hmm. I was doing a little bit of SEO work, and uh, then started applying some of my conversion ideas to it, and it started working, and by 1998, my brother and I turned that into uh, the first ever agency focused in on conversion optimization, yeah. uh, and we left that about seven years ago. And you know, we've uh, consulted to a handful of companies. Till then, I still do a lot of speaking, as you said, a lot of advising. And over this past year, I've been involved in a new startup uh, looking to take what we've learned over the last 20 years of digital retailing and bring it to the brick and mortar world because uh, it's starting to take the other way around. Absolutely, absolutely. So you've been around since 1995. That's that phenomenal. That's over 20 years, as long as Amazon has been around. And um, yes, um, we're here to talk about Ideal Spot. But um, yeah, you you're inspiring. Your your LinkedIn profile you know, just says a lot about about you, you know, um, and the kind of companies that trust you. Um, so let's talk about Ideal Spot. Um, how did you sort of conceive the idea? And where are you guys now? Well, you know, like like all good startups, you know, it starts off in one way and it takes a couple of different directions and, and morphs and tweaks. Um, you mentioned a couple of the uh, startups I've been advising, companies like Nomi and stuff like that. And there's been a few others that have approached me over the last, I'd say, three years that started showing me this trend of the you know people trying to find uh, bring this technology to the brick and mortar world. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know stuff like beacons and Google Analytics and um, you know for for retail and all that. So you know when you start thinking about all the possibilities, I start saying, okay, what is it that we as digital marketers take for granted that brick and mortar retailers haven't even seen yet? Mm-hmm. And so one of the first things that 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 occurred to me is, look, if you know, I, I grew up in Brooklyn, New York. Mm-hmm. You know, where probably it's, there are more commercial you know properties there than just about anywhere in the country. Just you know, store after store after store. And uh, well, it's, you know, one of the largest cities, so it's not a, not a big surprise, right? No, um, but you know, I said, how would how would the average restaurant or or retailer go about finding and making sure that the location they picked really was the right location for them? Because you know, since the 1800s, we've heard the phrase location, 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 right? So. Mm-hmm. And we realized that there really wasn't anything like that. While there was Zillow for residential real estate, and you can get things like your your Z estimate of what a house is worth and the Z rent, right, and all that, there really wasn't that level of, of details of mm. the walkability score, all that for for brick and mortar retail. And I said, okay, what if we created this idea of a Zillow for commercial real estate? And um, I met with two uh, great entrepreneurs here in Austin, Texas. I moved down here. Almost four years to the day, actually. Wow, okay. Uh, and, um, it's a new year thing, four years yeah, ago. <laughs> yeah, and um, I met with uh, Mark Smookler, and uh, then uh, he brought it together, his friend uh, Andrew Hunter, and uh, 
we started talking about the idea and we started testing it out and we started seeing could we get leads, could we get interest, could we get businesses excited by this. And we certainly started to. And, and Andrew went away. His dad was actually uh, a professor of uh, GIS, which is all the mapping uh, infrastructure that's out there, uh, at, at the University of North Texas. And he came back and he developed his first version of an algorithm um, that looked at uh, around uh, 5,000 variables and gave us a score as to whether a location was good or bad for that particular business. Okay. And uh, we started with that, and then eventually we brought in a data scientist who's had you know just about twenty years of data science experience, uh, modeling consumer uh, credit, whether they're going to pay back things, real estate as well. And so we found a truly a, a unicorn in a data science perspective, mm-hmm. uh, who lived here in Austin and who's available. Coincidental. Okay, um, <laughs> and we've built out now a a full suite of tools for for these retailers. Okay. Okay. The 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 lots of points you've touched on, with regards to um, your your last answer, and I will like to go into to one point you touched in on um, data points. They're they're really important. Um. So, what were the glaring data points you found missing in the way, say, a pizza or a restaurant um will on the criteria a restaurant owner would um, or a restaurant chain will put in to 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 select a location sure and, and, and there's a there's a bunch of fun stories i can share with you but i'll okay. share with you the couple that started in our alpha that we kind of knew that this is where we had an opportunity so one of my son's friends, one of uh, his parents, obviously a friend of mine as well, mm-hmm. um, he was the COO of a uh, small chain of, of um, uh, do-it-yourself sushi uh, restaurant uh, based here out of Austin. They had locations in, in Dallas and Florida you know, and, and, uh, as well. Okay. And um, they were working with a more traditional, as you would say, version 1.0 of a location selection service. And that – uh, service suggested a location for them in uh, Northwest Austin that, from a demographic point of view, looked great. You know, uh, families did, had pretty decent income, mm-hmm. um, big families, bi- busy shopping center. It was next to one of the biggest supermarkets. There were two other restaurants in there. Both of them were doing well. One of them was, a, of course, we were in Austin here, so we had tacos. Um, that one was – Torchy's Tacos was doing exceptionally well. And then uh, we had a German um, kebab place mm-hmm. next to it. This restaurant ended up doing less than 20% of their expected revenue. Ouch. Okay. That's and, significant. Yeah. And essentially, it, it was one of the factors that led to this uh, chain eventually going bankrupt. Mm. Okay. When we – we're still talking. He was still in business, but we we ran an analysis of that location for him as well with with our with our alpha algorithm, and it came back with one of the worst scores we've ever seen for location. We said there's something very wrong here, and so as we started to take a look at what it was, we realized that they really didn't not that neighbor didn't really uh, uh, have any appreciation for you know Asian food mm-hmm. for the most. part. And so, you know, it was, you know, a uh, real meat and potatoes, barbecue, Tex-Mex type of food. That's, that's what was doing well in that neighborhood, nothing else. Now, by the way, uh, that we've released a whole new suite of products, that w- one of them actually maps all of search and social interest and, and, and demand. Uh, do you and, tap into Open Graph, into Facebook's Open correct. Graph data? Okay. All right. Correct. Mm-hmm. And we were able to actually see 
that there is zero interest for sushi specifically even in that part of town, right? It's moderate in the rest of Austin, right? It's not a, it's not a huge thing and it's extreme by the airport. Mm-hmm. So, you know, when you start looking and, and start saying, wow, there's, there's all kinds of other data points that people aren't looking at, especially behavioral data points mm-hmm. that they haven't really expected, which is, again, this is this, it's like people were advertising uh, on the web when the web first started, where, mm-hmm. you know, I'd go – and by the way, this is how one of the ways I got started online. Uh, I was working for a company that would put banners up on like Alta Vista and Yahoo and we'd go into the sports section, right? Mm-hmm. And then hope that people would buy baseball bats. Now, just because you're following sports does not necessarily mean that you're in the business, you know, you're in the market for baseball bats. Mm-hmm. But right, but it was a broad stroke marketing approach. That's the same way we've done models for locations forever, right? Are there enough people in, you know, who are, you know, 30 plus with kids, you know, above this uh, income that drive by this place? Yeah. And if that's good enough, then we'll open the business. Who cares if you know, you know, all of them have, uh, you know, are all bald, and you're opening up a hair salon, right? <laughs> no, you know, it's not going to work exactly. But um, we found some other interesting ones. One of my, one of my favorite stories um, that we're we're just about to start going out there to tell to the media is uh, we, we've analyzed literally thousands of pizzeria locations across the country. Mm-hmm. And are, are you a fan of pizza? Uh, I, I do like my pizzas. Okay, great. So um, we have found for several chains, this there's a secret ingredient that is actually correlated to either success or failure, uh, depending <laughs> on which way it goes, right. for that that nobody would ever guess. So take a take take a guess. What do you think would be the secret ingredient that can predict success or failure for a pizzeria chain? Um, pepperoni? No? No. Um, uh, definitely not cheese. <laughs> um, let's see. Um, I'm, I'm lost. <laughs> right, some people will say the dough, right? Some people, uh, will, some people will say the sauce. Some people will say the, the, the cheese, actually. There, okay. There's a pizzeria in Brooklyn, if, you, if we ever can meet up there at some point. Mm-hmm. I'm in Austin now. But if we ever find a way to meet up there, I'll, I'll take you to uh, L&B Spumoni Garden. They, they okay. do something with the cheese that nobody else does. Okay. And it makes their pizza just – it's a whole nother level. It's a Sicilian slice, but it's wow. just amazing. Um, they actually cook the cheese on top of the dough first and then add the sauce and then oh, more cheese. Okay, okay, okay. And it, it, it just – yeah, it just does things that's just incredible. Anyway. The secret ingredient for success for uh, these huge chains of of, uh, pizzeria locations was the consumption of motor oil. Right. Okay, that makes makes a a lot of sense. Uh Motor oil, right? Don't you sprinkle it on top of your pizza once in a while? Absolutely. Yes, I do. But what we found was a very... Complimentary, really. Yeah. uh, Well, a very strong correlation... Between if people purchase seven plus quarts of motor oil, mm-hmm. for one chain, it was an absolute predictor of success. For this other chain, it was an absolute predictor of failure. Right. And it's not every pizzeria, but it's more than those two chains as well. So we've seen it keep popping up. So obviously, motor oil is a secret ingredient in pizza. Who knew? <laughs> Absolutely. But, but again, this is the type of things you would never find out unless you're using – you know, machine learning and, and big data. It's just, it's just not available because the, the typical retailer that's sophisticated, mm-hmm. okay, will look at a spreadsheet that'll, that'll take into account about 20 to 25 variables yes. for a location. We're looking at over 15,000. 
And then you're letting, you know, um, algorithms and software actually crunch your data for you and then, you know, alert you when, when certain trends are picked up from all the exactly. data points. Yeah. Okay. Exactly. Okay. Okay. Very, very interesting. Okay. Let's, let's take it a, a notch down and could we talk about online retail? Um, sure. so, so there's been a trend. Amazon, actually, for the first time, I think it was in November, they set up their first, um, retail store prior to that i think sometime earlier in the year they there was like a pickup store in a university somewhere yep. in, in the states and um what's your view on traditional online retailers moving to brick and mortar retail and um do you think it's going to be a trend in 2016 uh big trend but but and this is this is why i headed in this direction so let me so let me let, let's let's put together why the trends are occurring and and what's cool, happening yeah, okay okay what first of all why has amazon dominated when everyone else is getting by in e-commerce right I, amazon the holiday season had i think the number was 42% <laughs> uh, 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 of e-commerce dollars it used to be 30% now it's up to 42% mm-hmm. how come let, let, let's just start real simple. It's not that their their website is not twenty two times better designed than every other retailer. What's the main thing that drove their success? Prime, Prime, yeah, and 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 the logistics behind Prime, Prime yes, right. It's their customer service and logistics that really have made it work. Mm-hmm. The reason we're going to start seeing a lot more e commerce players being able to compete offline is twofold. Number one, their back end is in the cloud. Mm. Right, which enables you to scale and react differently than when you have to batch process things. And I mean, there there are still some systems out there that are thirty plus years old and don't allow uh, retailers to compete. Mm-hmm. Secondly, uh, online is everywhere today. Right, we're all walking with an online device everywhere we go at every moment of every day, mm-hmm. and so we'll have opportunities where yes you know we want to explore things I, my prediction is amazon will launch a bunch of niche stores it won't just be bookstores right in some cities it's going to be a sporting goods store in other cities it's going to be uh, based on data. what they, the data they have <laughs> of what's going to work where and different things need different types of treatment and they understand that and, and they can provide a completely different experience far superior than anyone else let me give you one one more very tactical example of of of, of how powerful a trend this is. Bonobos, uh, Warby Parker, Blue Nile, right? All of these have uh, you know traditional uh, e-commerce only players are now have opened up brick and mortars. But I want to give you an example with Blue Nile, right? Because okay. uh, I think everybody in the world has walked into a jeweler before, yeah. at least once, right? Mm-hmm. The typical jewelry store is a few thousand square feet, okay. Okay. And uh, the average jeweler will generate around a million dollars in sales. There are some who do a lot, lot more, but the average jeweler is about a million dollars in sales. Per, per month or per, per annum? A year. Okay. Per, year right. okay. per year. Okay. I can't give you exact numbers on, on the Blue Nile store, but, but, but let me just say this. You know, it, it, it has beyond, like in any way fashionable, you know, exceeded their expectations of what a store can do. Hmm. And the storefront is four. Hundred and ninety square feet. Okay, right. It's tiny. Why tiny? This is half half the size of the standard quarter. thousand. Right. I, I would say even a quarter. A quarter. Okay. Yeah. So, so, so why? Why is why? 
because they've transformed the experience. They've made it inviting to come in. I mean, think about, you know, I, 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 I don't know what town. I think I, I think I saw you were from Oxford. Yes. Okay. I could imagine there are jewelry stores that have been there for well over 100 years. Ages, yes. Okay. Mm-hmm. That, that other than maybe their window, nothing else has changed. And it feels intimidating to even feel like you can walk in there. It, it feels like you're walking into the library. Mm-hmm. Right? I agree. Yes. And here is their store. It's completely open. It's lit up. It's very, all the, all, there's no, there's tr- no traditional U shape that, you know, with the stuff inside of counter. None of that. Right? It's almost like the Apple store, right? Which was one of the beacons that changed uh, traditional retail. It was the first store that really started to rethink what the experience should be like. Mm-hmm. And most stores have not evolved in the same way Amazon introduced how, E-commerce should be played, okay? Apple started telling people and giving the playbook essentially of, hey, this is what e-commerce needs to look like. By the way, on on the restaurant front, Starbucks has been playing that game for a long time as well. Right, so you need to understand how all of these trends are kind of coming together and this ability to shop in a store, have a great experience and not worry about taking the product home because I can have it to you the next day anyway because my logistics are so good that recreates the need for not having endless space in a store to stocking shelves and products. Okay. And um, with regard to to this experience, um, what comes first? Um, User experience on the web or um, user experience? Are, Are they trying to mimic user experience on the web in retail spaces or um, are they trying to even deliver a, a better um, you know experience yeah in, it's a, in retail it's a, spaces in the retail outlets yeah it's it's a step up from it right like you know the right. bonobos right okay. you, you know you, you know it's closed you want to be able to try it and see what the size and fit is for things and then you can order more things online and so you know they don't need as many stores uh warby parker right you know they're selling glasses and so obviously you know you you know yes you can kind of get a proxy for it online and you know again what they've done with their supply chain is, is changed a lot of what the, the glasses industry has done but you want to be able to see it on your face and try it on and see it with different lenses. And so obviously there's an opportunity. And same thing with jewelry, right? Mm-hmm. I don't need to try every single stone. I can I can kind of get a sense of, of what it is, what it's going to look like, uh, start pricing it. And I can get all that information partially through an online experience and being able to size them on in the store and, and do different things and, and get a sense of what it would look like. So, I, I you know, uh, it's an enhancement of – uh, of the e-commerce experience. In, in one of your articles, you described as an immersive 3D advertisement, yeah. basically. C- correct. Is- correct. Right. I don't necessarily need to complete the sale, you know, in the store either. You know, they can go home and finish it. Mm. What right. about they virtual can- reality? Do you, do you think like VR would would make um, its strides in 2016, or worth still a few years for it to mature? You know, there's a couple of companies experimenting with it in in the retail space right now. A couple of uh, showrooms and stuff like that. You know, I, I I think it's just beginning still. I think mm-hmm. you know, for it really to have traction, you know, the prices need to come down a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, you know, it's probably two three years out. I mean, but it doesn't mean that you shouldn't be experimenting with it. I mean, I have a. In, in fact, you know, it's one of the things I went ahead and I 
uh, that said, okay, you know, I I need to immerse myself in it. And I uh, when I'm when I'm not working uh, on my regular jobs, I'm also uh, coaching uh, baseball, okay. and so I decided to. Uh, there's a, a VR application that um, teaches you the the strike zone better and, and lets you mm-hmm. recognize what the pitcher is pitching. And so I said, you know, I'm going to get that for one because obviously I can relate to that space very clearly, but two also obviously I can train my ten year old son with it. And I, I think it's just going to be a natural way to extend the experience. It won't be all of the experience because for some people it's actually a little overwhelming from what I'm from what I'm uh, mm-hmm. seeing in the data. Uh, but I think it's it's definitely a way to extend the experience. And one of one of the examples I like to give people is you know um, uh, golf stores. Or, or another great example of this, mm-hmm. you know, I live here in Texas. There's there's some big stores, um, and I think Golfsmith is is located, you know, uh, out of here, and they have some really large, you know, uh, you know, it's twenty, thirty thousand square foot stores with you know all shelves and shelves of balls and shelves and shelves of of, of clubs and all this, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but what if you opened up a smaller location like a Blue Nile, four or five hundred? You know, square foot. You had you know a few different types of clubs. You were able to size people there, and it was a really just a virtual reality uh, hitting simulation, right? And mm-hmm. and so you, you can see what how you swing. Oh well, based on the swing, let's see if we we could try you on on on, on with these clubs and what you do, and, and with this type of ball, and you can change the whole experience by not being about selling just products, but by really helping them improve their game, which is ultimately what they want to do anyway. Yeah, and a hybrid of experiences and the products, which would you know sort of optimize um, your conversions, which is what you're you know you're exactly to, exactly to achieve. Really interesting. So, so you, you you made a statement just now, which is um, the fact that VR might be an extension to the experience. Do you think it's going to be an extension to to the online and mobile experience, or do you think it's going to be an extension to to real estate to to, to actual brick and mortar? I, you know, I think it's. I think it'll be to both. I, you know, we love screens. Let's let's you know let's let's leave it there. I mean, there's no questions. We have addictions to screens. Uh, you know, I think if if we look at what uh, New York Times did by sending out you know two million uh, you know uh, of the cardboard glasses and Google's doing it, and you know, of course, Facebook's invested in, in Oculus Rift, who just started releasing their you know their products. Um, you know, and they're and they're doing these three D ads. Um, I you know. I, there's no question we're, we're going to head in that way. The same way, you know, we've gone from, you know, black and white TVs to color to, mm-hmm. you know, f- to, you know, to flat screens to 4K to now 8K. You know, we want that immersion. It's just, it's got to feel right. It's got to be natural. It's got to be intuitive. It is not going to work if we have to put on these silly looking goggles mm-hmm. uh, to experience it. Mm-hmm. Um, so the technology is going to have to evolve. This, this, this will work for uh, the alpha, tr- you know, people who want to try it out. Uh, it's not going to be the the everyday ex- experience. You know, we're going to need something much more like you know Star Trek's holograms until right. we're uh, until we're all put in. <laughs> true, true, true. Okay, so in today's mobile-driven world, um, how should like a retail space, retail store, be determined. And my, my question, suppose I suppose, would be to like online retailers listening to to the show today, considering um, you know um, selection or considering say a pop up store, for instance. Mm-hmm. So, so can they go into you know ideal spots to to kind of find the ideal pop up store um, for? And and would you sort of tap into? their data so um look into their customer data 
um, in order to sort of, um, you know, get more data points to, 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 to understand how well they sell to, in order to sort of predict or, you know, um, serve uh, an ideal location. Yeah, so so some some of that pulling in more of their data is coming this year. We 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 uh, we decided to launch with some of the tools that we can make it easier just for everybody to engage with, as, mm-hmm. as opposed to those who did or didn't have data and, and only depend on those. Okay. But yes, you can you can go into Ideal Spot today and you can access uh, all these demographic filters uh, that most people charge for. Actually, we give it away for free, mm-hmm. uh, so you can start narrowing down on the cities that you think would fit your your most you know basic demographics right okay. um and 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 look to see where there's pockets there and then what we've done is we've built the essentially map layers on top of that to help get, make you help that make that decision so we have what we call the customer location targeting that's that you know we're pulling in all of these sources of search and social data that we can pull in based on your category of business what what interested in so if, you know you sell fitness type products well mm-hmm. you know you want to be in the, in the area where there's the highest concentration of people who are of, in, of an interest in fitness obviously mm-hmm. Right. Then you go ahead and we, you know, we have something that helps you model the traffic as well. You know, we're we're pulling in uh, one of the best data sources for traffic out there. We also have um, uh, a tool that can help predict uh, revenue uh, Mm. via location. And then we have um, what we started off with, which is our location score, which analyzes the 15,000-plus variables. And So before you sign the lease, let's make sure we look at everything so there's nothing surprising in there. Mm And then lastly, we have an analysis called Spot On, which looks at your business and your competitors and starts looking for those secret ingredients like motor oil that stand out as things that you should be looking for uh, that you wouldn't look for otherwise. Mm-hmm. Seems really, really um, comprehensive. And given the fact that there's so much data out there and it's aggregated and filtered, layered out to, to match your requirements and your business type, um, it's, it's a no-brainer. Right, and we also wanted to build it in a way so that anybody could go there right away and build out their personalized map, and they'll be able to add notes and and share things with their team and stuff mm-hmm. like that. Because most of the platforms out there are, uh, you know, you have to fill in a form on a website, you have to, you know, pay a, a uh, you know, a pretty expensive subscription model, and we built it out so that you can either do with the subscription model, which is a little bit more affordable, also, but also a pay-as-you-go model. So if you're only going to open up one place, hey, just Pay for the one report you want. And you're done, okay. right? We, you know, because it's data on demand. It's not. It's not the same way as uh, as, as the traditional players in the space have been doing it. And are they are they going to be APIs available to, to like third party apps to to plug into Ideal Spot? Uh, I, I can't say yet. Okay, no worries. Right. Okay. Do you have? Okay. Let's let's move on to. Is is there any other thing? Um, like you, any other points you think? listeners looking to set up a pop-up store especially because a lot of retailers want to sort of test you know, to test test the offline you know test test bricks and mortar first so, so are there any tips you you have for setting up or steps uh, necessary steps foolproof steps for for setting up a pop-up store um for first yeah. timers i you know I think it's really critical to make sure that whatever you do, you don't, you know, you don't think of it as a temporary uh, experience, okay. right? It still needs to feel like a full experience. It can't feel like a partial experience. You need to provide them, 
uh, an incredible experience. And there's some great technologies out there to, in order to be able to do that. You can get off the shelf that people are building out um, as well as um, – you know, other solutions. In other words, uh, you know, uh, simple things like, you know, we don't want to wait on long lines to check out on things, right? Mm-hmm. Go, go look at the Apple store, go see how they're handling these things. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, it, it's interesting. Um, IBM and the national retail federation, um, you know, have their big event, um, in, in, in New York in the beginning, beginning of, uh, of, uh, January, uh, middle, no middle of January, right? Um, I don't know when you're airing this, but one of the things that they've done is they've actually, um, they've actually gone ahead and they've created a like a social media contest for you to visit all of the innovations in all of these different stores throughout New York City. Okay. And even if you're not going to be there, go ahead and get that map. <laughs> okay. And get those stores and understand what it is about those stores and the innovations and start saying, wow, what can I do that would help my customer have a greater experience? Okay. That I can use in an innovative way in my pop-up store. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. That makes a lot of sense. Okay, and what about your plans to moving to the UK and Europe eventually? We, um, uh, we're so yeah. So uh, first, we'll, first thing we'll do is move to our neighbors to the north. You know, the Canadians have been waiting very <laughs> patiently for us. Okay. Um, you know, it the the cha- the challenge is aggregating all the different data sets. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know the the good thing is that you know none of what we're doing um you know is personally identifiable information you know we're we're definitely keeping away from all of that um so you know we shouldn't run into any challenges as as we move across the globe but it's identifying who and 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 where those data sets are um to provide similar uh, results that we're able to do here in the United States. I mean, I've had conversations with loads of online retailers and physical store retailer, retailers, and um, this is a service they certainly, certainly need. You know, this is an itch. <laughs> you know, oh, um, yeah. yeah. Here in well, the look, UK. The, the, wrong, the wrong location could cost you, you know, hundreds of thousands to millions of dollars, depending on, on your build-out. You're so spot on. I have a friend who um, has a shop here in Oxford, and the difference between locating it half a kilometer from its current location is about two hundred thousand pounds a year. It's- uh, well, so we 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 worked with a uh, jeweler who was deciding on a location. There was two open vacancies along the same uh, block. Not, neither one was a corner, mm-hmm. but the difference was one hundred and fifty feet. Right? I mean, tiny. Wow. And it was, you know, the difference between going out of business and being extremely profitable. So so it is down to, and and it was just because of where it crossed the street, Mm. essentially. Which side of the street they were on had a huge impact in terms of the drive time models Mm. of whether people would actually make it there or not. Exactly. Um, you know, that's, you know, footfall intent is so important. You know, you, you could say, oh, there's lots of footfall here, you know, but, um, you know, the quality and the intent, they might just be commuters and you're selling, you know, um, stock products are like you know, a few hundred thousand, you know, a few hundreds or, you know, a few thousands. And, you know, there's no way they're going to think about, you know, stopping by. But if you're in a, in a heavily commercial area, 
with intent that attracts intent, then you know that's a different story. And and that was the story, really. And the, it's an expensive lesson to to learn. So, well, it's it's, it's also why we I, you know we went ahead and one of the first things we did as we launched the companies we we wrote up an yeah. ebook on how to choose a location today. I'll and, definitely uh, link up to that for my show notes. And that's why why um, your article actually attracted me and, and we're having this interview because um, location, 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 as the saying goes, is really important. It really everything. is important. And, and and like you said, you know, as much as I love e-commerce and it's, you know, it's in my blood, you know, I, <laughs> I've been I've been online, uh, you know, in, I started my own bulletin board in 1983. <sighs> okay. So I've been online a long time. I, you know, and, you know what we're seeing obviously is you know there's change and there's evolving but it's it, it we're not going to see a revolution of it it's now evolution mm. time for for e-commerce mm. the the revolution is is happening to brick and mortar and this is an opportunity where we're going to start seeing uh you know my, i have a good friend of mine who's who's a, a fellow influencer in in the retail space and she lives in chicago and she lives in the Montgomery Ward building, right? It's a it's a beautiful condominium today, mm. right? But to her, it's a constant reminder of you know there are generations that you know these these businesses come and go. Mm. Some of them have lasted a long time. Some of them can do that, but for the most part, you know there 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 are these revolutions and the and there are these you know dra- drastic transformations of the retail landscape and we're right in the middle of one because of where mobile has come and and where e-commerce is and 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 who's trying to play in the space and and new business models and and how and now we're starting to see a trend where people are spending a little bit less on things and they want more experiences so and it it's changing things mm-hmm. So, um, you know, I, I think it's a, it's a, it's an amazing time to start thinking about if I were to start selling in a brick and mortar, what would I want this t- to look like, and how can I be different than everyone else in the space, and 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 really provide my customers the experience they deserve and and want, not what we give them. Absolutely, I agree. I agree with you in, in every. But speaking about revolutions in in, in you know the retail space, um, Ideal Spots is handling you know, fine in the right location. Do you have any examples of revolutions going occurring in the retail environment itself? You know, that's experience and, you know, what companies are spearheading innovations in retail space, particularly not necessarily okay, at the enterprise level and trickling down to, to mid-tier? You know, I... I- I think they're all exper- experimenting with stuff. You know, every, everyone from you know, you know, the WalMarts to the Targets to uh, you, you know, everybody's trying to. Nordstrom's, uh, you know, has, has been one of the early ones to, to start working on on, on uh, mobile checkout. There, there are people playing out with virtual fitting rooms. You know, there's no shortage of seeing the innovation, and uh, you know, I, I, I've seen videos of Adidas, right? Who who is who created this magic wall uh, for their uh, for their football uh, shoes, right? When and you can see uh, Messi and what shoe he's wearing and and how it's it's some really incredible things. You know, the innovation is is endless. You know, and what I always say is, there's three main factors. Or triggers that change the consumer experience. Number one is 
communication technology, and that's that's obviously what the internet has ha, has brought such a revolution on, right? And it continues mm-hmm. to to make changes. And uh, the fact that we, you know, mobile's coming around, and you know, has, has certainly changed a, a significant amount of with the social platforms and and how we all communicate with one another. Okay, mm-hmm. I, I don't have to spend a lot of time on that one. But the other two big ones are financial technologies. Mm-hmm. Right, and so we still haven't seen the the end of mobile payments and and uh, you know peer to peer payments and mm-hmm. seamless checkouts. Uh, you know, not having to have uh, a, you know a cash register at, at the supermarket. You know, in, in an aisle where you're scanning things, you're just just walking right through. Mm-hmm. Um, you know. There's going to be tremendous opportunities still there. Uh, in fact, even the, one of the supermarkets right near my house, they basically have a, a machine that, that that it's no longer scanning. You just uh, basically put all the items on and takes pictures and recognizes everything and 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 runs it through, and you're done. And then, lastly, is the the logistics technology mm-hmm. and things like 3D printing and drones and. Um, you know, they're going to change the scope of where and how we can sell. And I think that, you know, it's going to be fascinating to see what becomes of that um, mm. over the next few years. Again, we're still in virtual reality is another one of those, right? That that's, We're so early on in this that uh, it will change behavior. But it, it's something that we have to keep a very close eye on, you know, sort of like as retail anthropologists. Where, where, where is man going with this stuff? <laughs> It's, it's it's all down to convenience, I suppose. Um, just so, so long as we can continue driving in convenience for for the end user. Actually, actually, let me let me change the word. Not convenience, the reduction of friction. The reduction of friction, exactly. Right, and 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 there's there's one challenge, and if you if you've ever studied a little bit of physics, you know that if you remove friction from one part of the equation, it doesn't disappear. No. It always has to go somewhere else, and you know where it always goes. Where? In retail, back to the person, back to the retailer. <laughs> in margins, in well, in everything, right? It just makes their job harder. harder it, it, yeah. You know, retail is a extremely hard business to do everything right. Mm. Okay, really hard. And the more and more the customers in control, the more technologies out there. It, it, again, it removes the friction from their side, the choice that they can choose from anybody, anywhere across the globe at any time, because of something that's sitting in their pocket is just. It's just mind blowing today, right? If, if you, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I'm, I'm about to do a, a, a presentation for uh, my daughter's uh, high school entrepreneur club. 800 students coming from around <laughs> Central Texas. Right. And as I was talking to her about this, you know, I, I realized you know, my daughter's born in 2001, uh, and she's a freshman in high school. And mm-hmm. the oldest students are born in 1997. I said, you know, that's when Amazon was basically just really starting out. That's when all of you know there was no Facebook. Google launched in 1998. Yeah. You know when you start put, when you start fathoming that you know in my kids' lifetime the world has transformed. What will be as they get to my age? Um, you know it, it it is hard to uh, to really imagine the amount of uh, of transformation. But if you understand these key factors that drive it, um, it's 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 fairly see- simple to to keep up with customers and. I think this is the lesson I've learned from from Jeff Bezos more than anything, where he says he never worries about competition. He only worries about keeping up with customers. Yes, indeed. Just keep your eye on customers. And if you can keep them happy, then, then you have a business, really, a running business. Exactly. 
Okay, it's it's been it's it's been a very 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 interesting conversation I've had with you, Brian. Um, I'm going to wrap up with uh, my standard evergreen lightning round. If you could just, I'm going to ask you questions, and if you could use a sentence or maximum two sentences to answer, it'd be fantastic. And then we'll wrap up. How do you hire people? I look I look for certain characteristics. I hire for curiosity. Okay, what are your three indispensable tools for managing ideal spots? Wow. Um, I'd say number one would be my phone. I think, you know, the biggest part of how we've grown the business is really talking to people, talking to influencers, talking to press, mm-hmm. um, you know, really developing relationships with people. So I think, you know, the, the phone and meeting people in person are always invaluable. I think, you know, we, we take those for granted. But but from from um, the you know, tools, you know, certainly uh, things like BuzzSumo and uh, have helped me identify what other influencers I should be talking about and, mm-hmm. and what other content is circulating among uh, the, the the community that I'm interested in and, and getting to know. Community. Obviously, that was uh, that was kind of interesting, right? Because I, I never really spent a lot of world of time in the world of, of restaurant tours, and now I spend a lot of time there. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you know, obviously, certain you know, having having the analytics and 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 WordPress uh, powering the site, you know, is, is is priceless. Okay, okay, pretty good. Hey, what one piece? What what piece? One piece of advice can you give to mid tier e-tailers keen to two x in or three x in their e-commerce ventures? Wow, you know, so that's that's asking for a lot. So the two the the two pieces of advice I, I would focus on is, um, and, and you know, this is something we still do is help e-tailers develop a culture of. Uh, uh, what I call Amazon's four pillars of success. The reason mm-hmm. Amazon has been so su- successful is because they focused in on, you know, uh, obsessing over the customer experience. Right? They're customer centric. Mm-hmm. They're data driven. Right? They're they're focused in on continuous optimization, not just of the website and marketing, but of everything about their business, logistics. You know, using the robots, that exactly. everything. Right? They're obsessing over it. Mm-hmm. Uh, a culture of innovation. They're always testing things. Right. In fact, even in Jeff Bezos' letter to shareholders, I didn't read it this year, but two years ago, he talked, you know, they they tested over 1,900 things Mm. during the year, right? And it's important enough for him to mention it in his shareholder letter. How come most C level executives don't even know how many tests their teams are performing? Mm. Okay. And then lastly, a culture of uh, agility, being able to react and execute, right? Not just just uh, you know, mentally masturbate about things, uh, to use that word, right? But to really get down and say, hey, here's a plan. Let's get it done. It doesn't matter if it's not perfect. We can always refine it later because we're continuously optimizing and we're continuously working. And when you develop that kind of a culture, you develop success. Well, that's one of the best questions, answers I've had. <laughs> Customer experience, data-driven innovation, testing, agility. Interesting. If you could choose a single book or resource that's made the highest impact on how you view building businesses and retail in general and growth, which would it be? Hmm. Other than one that I've written? Uh, yes. We'll, we'll, we'll link to yours for sure. Um you know, there, there's there's been so many great books. I think it would be hard to limit to one, but as a but as somebody who is just naturally very intuitive, uh, very big picture oriented, and and I realize that that's the minority of the world that I have to communicate with people who are uh, much more uh, from a Myers Briggs perspective, more sensing type. You know, they're more, uh, 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 you know, uh, tangible thinkers. Mm-hmm. Made to Stick by Chip and Dan Heath, 
their their formula for thinking about how to produce stories and 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 create content, communicate with people, is a guideline for those you know big intuitive marketers to to speak the language that everyone else has, so they can those other people can share your stories. Brilliant, made to stick. Okay, good stuff. Finally, could you let our audience know how how to find you and reach out to you? Well, number one, you know, I'm very easy to Google, so you can find me. You know, once you go on Google, you'll find me from my website, brianeisenberg.com. You can find me at idealspot.com. I'm blogging there as well. You can find me on uh, on LinkedIn. We can either, you know, if you if you send me an intelligent connection request, I'm I'm happy to connect with just about anybody. Uh, don't just send me a generic one. Just tell me how you heard of me? I'm not sure um, I'm connected with you, but we're connected. Thank you. I, right. I- <laughs> Um, no, I think I, I think you said the more than average one, um, but you can also follow me on LinkedIn as well. Okay. Um, you don't have to connect with me if you don't want to. And then uh, obviously on Twitter, I'm there as well. And then I, you know, I also speak at probably about 30, 40 conferences a year. So uh, you know, hopefully we can connect in person and actually you know do a face to face meeting and create a real relationship. Absolutely, absolutely. It's been an absolute pleasure having you on the show, Brian. And um, it's just given me. Uh, an insight and kind of like your journey from online to, to now, you know, offline to, to retail. And that's where revolution is, is actually occurring right now. And um, you're there, you're at the fore. It's really interesting. It's really given me stuff to think about um, from, from my perspective as to, you know, um, if you really want to make an impact and because it seems like Amazon has made the impact in, in e-commerce already and um, they've sort of disrupted that space. So, you're the second person actually saying it, actually, and on um, the fact that um, you know offline retail is is ready is ready for for disruption. Um, so we're so, yeah, we're, we're we're definitely starting to see the the early warning signals mm-hmm. uh, happening, and it was the same thing as we saw it in e-commerce, and it's why mm-hmm. we you know my brother and I started our agency ninety eight. We've traditionally been many many way too many years ahead of the curve. Um, this time, I think we're we're just about there, where where the market really is ready. In other words, but there still aren't there there still aren't tens of thousands of e-commerce players getting ready to open up their store yet. That'll happen no. the next that'll happen the next three years, though. Yeah, yeah. I think the model might be should be a bit more flexible for for retailers so they could experiment. So if they have data points from from you know platforms like Ideal Spot. And um, there's the av- availability of retail space on a short-term basis. Then, um, well, you know, kind of like how the proliferation of um, stores from Shopify, when Shopify emerged as a platform, I suppose um, the somewhat bigger stores will will want to experiment, you know, and engage with their customers really um, based so on this data. My my big prediction for stores like Macy's and Sears and mm-hmm. stuff like that is they will become huge mini shops. Hmm. It's going to be. We've seen that with what you know. Target just did with Soul Cycle. This is going to be like, you know, their brand won't be enough because hey, I can get it from Amazon. But if I've got all these little interesting and and they're and they're changing and they're evolving and they're uh, and they're moving, there's always something of interest and new mm-hmm. to see in there. And I, I think we're going to see a lot more of that. Uh, almost a mall within a mall, essentially, mm-hmm. uh, of of psychographically targeted other brands inside of these larger you know department stores mm. very interesting so so you, you suppose there'll be extensions to the existing stores to the existing department stores or um would, would these stores shrink more or less um, well they're to- going to shrink in other words you know when i realize that i don't have to have 
you know, 10,000 pairs of jeans sit, sitting, sitting in there, but I can have, you know, uh, you know, 50 of, you know, every color and just every size so someone can try it on and then they get delivered to their home the next day, Makes right? Sense. No one cares, mm-hmm. right? So what do I do with all that space? Well, why don't, why don't I bring in someone who does, you know, you know, cu- custom 3D uh, running shoes, mm-hmm. you know, and have a little outlet there in the same spot. Yes, indeed. Right. It'll just make a lot more sense for the businesses to to, to leverage their space that way because we, you know, we we have we have way too much space. That's that's part of this. There's a lot of retail, uh, you know, space already available out there, um, and you know, uh, millions and millions and millions of of, of 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 square feet just underutilized for the mm-hmm. most part. It's going to be certainly a lot of innovation in the retail space, and, I, and, I, and the the beauty about it would be ever changing. Um, just to pique the interest of of shoppers, really, and you know, get them coming more often, and hopefully buying more. Exactly. It's. I would love to see you in Europe and in the UK. So please consider us. Um, oh yeah, say. no, no. It's it's <laughs> it's it's it is definitely on the on the radar. We are you know just. You know, have, having to get our uh, ducks in place here first, and then and then working uh, our our way across the, uh, you know, across the ocean. Okay, okay, all right. Thank you so much, Brian. It's been a pleasure again. Um, for our listeners, thank you for sticking to the very end of today's episode, and I hope you found Brian's insights into online retail and bricks and mortar, you know, inspiring, actionable, and helpful. Um, just head over to idealspot.com. It's I-D-E-A-L-S-P-O-T.com to find out more about finding the ideal location for your retail space. Um, to download today's show notes and read the full transcript, just head over to 2xecommerce.com. And for updates and tips to grow in your store, be sure to sign up to our email list on 2xecommerce.com. Until the next show, everybody, do have a fantastic one. Bye now. Thanks for listening to this episode of 2X Ecommerce. To help you get more actionable insights and e-commerce growth hacks that will help you 2X your online retail business, hop over to 2xecommerce.com. It's a blog dedicated to e-commerce and multi-channel marketing run by the show's host, Kunle Campbell. 2xecommerce.com is packed full of articles and guides to help increase traffic to your store, increase repeat purchases, and average order value. Thanks for listening. Visit 2xecommerce.com.